0: Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 226 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for teaching us more about you and your ways. Help us learn more about you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see what Luke chapter 4 has to teach us today. We read about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness after he finished his 40 days there. He was hungry, and the enemy tempted him with food. He was weak, and the enemy tempted him with power. Verse 13 says, And when the devil had ended every, the complete cycle of temptation, he temporarily left him, that is, stood off from him until a more opportune and favorable time. We learn a few things through this account of Jesus' temptation. First, Jesus fought the enemy with scripture. Deuteronomy for the win here, and I say this every time. Second, the enemy comes when we are the weakest because he knows his best chance of getting us to sin. May we continue to pray against temptation as Jesus teaches us to do, so we are prayed up. Third, the enemy was going back to tempt Jesus at a more opportune time, not a more opportune time for Jesus, but a more opportune time for the enemy to try and win the battle. He didn't ever win against the Messiah, and he never will. We can be sure of this. The enemy may leave us alone for a while, but he will be back. Again, let us continue to pray against temptation, stay in the word, and believe the Lord fights every battle for us. Next, Jesus went into the synagogue to teach. He read from the book of Isaiah and said he was there to fulfill the prophecy at that moment in time. Verse 18 tells us what he came to do. He came to preach the good news to the poor announce the release of the captives, help the blind see, and deliver the oppressed. The Amplified Bible defines the oppressed as those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. This encourages us as we see that Jesus came for you and for me. God loves us so much that he sent his only son to save every one of us. May we praise him today. However, back on the day Jesus proclaimed these things, the crowd tried to throw him over a cliff. Imagine that. They remembered that he was the son of Joseph, someone they knew as a carpenter, and they stopped believing in him. Their doubt led to unbelief and attempted murder. May God give us an extra measure of belief in him and his son today. Let's see what Paul teaches the Corinthians in chapter 11. Paul starts out telling the people to follow his example because he follows Christ. Then he goes on to talk about the chain of command, authority, if you will. There were certain customs in that day which signified different things. Women wore head coverings or veils to show themselves as submissive to their husbands and to show they were true to their husbands. Women who committed adultery or were prostitutes didn't wear such head coverings. In fact, an adulterer's head was shaved. What was customary then and is still in some regions isn't necessarily customary now. Our takeaway here is that God is a God of authority and he has determined how that authority is placed even today. First, he is the authority. Then comes man, whom he created first, and then woman. This line of authority is not meant to penalize anyone or hold anyone in higher esteem. It doesn't mean that women are inferior. It just means there is a rank and order established by God, and we are still under that rank and order today. No one is taken advantage of another. There is simply order. Paul addresses the problems of cliques, divisions, and factions arising in the church. He denounces them. He heard there were people who were not keeping the sacrament of communion holy. Some were eating all the bread, and some were getting drunk on the wine. So Paul is calling an end to this behavior. For one thing, they were making the sacrament unholy. For another, there were poor people who weren't able to take part because all the food and wine were gone, so they were not being served. Paul tells them, eat at home, so they aren't hungry at church and tempted to overeat or overdrink. Verse 27 sums up the problem and says, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. May we look at how we act in God's house and ask him if we need a change of heart or a change of action to come up higher in our walk with him and our walk for others to imitate just as Paul tells them to imitate him. We are not our own. We are bought with a price and it is too expensive to dismiss it. Let's see what is happening with Job in chapter 23. Job wishes he could have an appointment with God. He wants to talk with him and defend himself. He desires to be acquitted by God, his judge. But as hard as he tries to find the Lord, he cannot find him. Everywhere he searches, the Lord is not there. He still holds fast to the truth that he is innocent. In verse 10, he says that when he is tried before God, he will come out as refined gold. But as for today, he is afraid. Verses 15 and 16 say, Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider, I am in dread and afraid of him. For God has made my heart faint, timid, and broken, and the Almighty has terrified me. Job knows that his own heart is clean, and yet he is still afraid of the Lord. In chapter 24, he goes on to tell about the fortune of the wicked. Although they do horrible things to the poor and others who cannot take care of themselves, the wicked prosper. He lists all the offenses of the wicked and how they live long lives and lives full of security. These things are difficult for Job to understand as he suffers physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He is brought to shame in every way. Even his friends look upon him with loathing and believe he has done something wrong to deserve his suffering. We will continue reading in Job and experience his pain for the next 14 chapters or so until he meets God in chapter 38. Let's see what Psalm 45 is all about. According to a commentary I read, this psalm was written for one of King Solomon's wives, an Egyptian princess he married. King Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. We will read that his wives led him to worship gods other than Almighty God. This psalm was written as a song of love for one of King Solomon's wives. As we read the passages about her, we can almost see her in our minds. She is adorned with gold sewn into her clothes. There is rejoicing as she and her maidens are brought into the palace. Her children will be future princes. Yes, she is highly adorned and valued by the people, including King Solomon. May God protect us from the people who want to take our attention off of him and onto worldly things and people. Let us pray. O oh Lord, thank you for the wisdom we find in your word. Father, forgive us for our sins and keep us from temptation to sin. Strengthen us so we can walk in your ways and not the world's ways. You are great and mighty and greatly to be praised. We praise you, Lord. Keep our eyes on you and our hearts soft toward you. Keep us yours, Lord. Don't let the enemy have a hold on us. Show us where we need to come up higher and help us live lives full of integrity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.